Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Here are your hosts, Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. Welcome to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This has been such a good week of eating. And, you know, I have tried so many things that I haven't tried. We're going to be doing this whole show on New Orleans and New Orleans food and drink. When you think of cities, you know, they all have, particularly large cities, certain things that you associate with that city. With New Orleans, it's food. It's got its own classic recipes, things it's known for, and it's unique in all of America. It's been really great to be here. And I knew coming in that there were certain dishes that we're going to talk about, certain things that New Orleans was famous for. I didn't realize those were kind of the jumping off point for a whole lot of other stuff. And I'm very particular about my seafood. I only have a few states where I eat it because I have to be able to have this touch the ocean. It's got a lot of really weird rules because I want it fresh. And I certainly can add Louisiana to one of those places, which we'll get into. Tried so much seafood, shellfish when I was here. All of it absolutely excellent. And there is just so much to eat here. So many different restaurants. The culture of the food and the drink is just amazing. So we're going to get into that in this whole episode. Yeah, not just food, but we've also discovered some really cool drinks that we want to tell you about a little bit later. We should also mention this is one of three episodes we're doing on New Orleans. Check out TravelBrigade.com. We'll also have an episode focusing on Mardi Gras. We'll also have an episode focusing on romantic New Orleans. Also, if you're interested in this uh, Louisiana food, we've also got some episodes we did where we went out to Lafayette and learned about Cajun food, which is great in itself. And also while we're in the plantation country, we did some, you know, some eating there and things. And it's really interesting to find out, you know, the different mix of Creole, Cajun, and and all these different things. So today we've got several interviews to highlight just how much great eating and drinking there is to do here in New Orleans. First of all, we've got Vicki Bristol. She's with the New Orleans Convention and Visitors Bureau. She's going to be talking to us all about sort of the overview and the food scene here. After that, we're going to be talking about some specific restaurants we went to and how amazing they are. You'll want to make sure you put those on your bucket list when you come here to New Orleans. And then we're going to a place called Brightson's, which we really loved. And we talked with Frank Brightson, who's not only the owner but the chef. And this is one of those classic little places that you need to know a local to find out about. And I'm so glad we went there. Best pecan pie of my life. Anton's can't wait to go back there and relive that amazing meal. That was also a great place right in downtown New Orleans. Absolutely amazing food from top to bottom. So many rooms. We took a tour there. So much fun when we were there. We also stopped for lunch at Tableau, which is a lunch place right on Jackson Square with great food to go along with a great location. And of course, not only when you're in New Orleans do you want to eat all the food, but you have to learn how to cook it. We were lucky enough to go to a cooking school in New Orleans, the New Orleans Cooking School, and learned all about cooking and we made some great things. As a matter of fact, we're excited to go home and try it all. And then we've got a couple of interviews with Desire Oyster Bar. Oysters are a big thing here and you've got to try them when you come here. And so we've got a couple interviews there. So we've got a lot to get to. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade. We will be right back. Listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at travelbrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry. I'm here with Jeff Griffin, and we've had this horrible assignment to talk about food here in New Orleans. It's been very painful, mostly because we're full. (laughs) But we have had some amazing food, and I would say one of the top food cities in the world here. Yeah, it's amazing. We're really lucky we get to talk with Vicki Bristol, who's with the New Orleans Convention and Visitors Bureau. Let's just do the broad overview. How many restaurants are there here? How many James Beard Award winners? How many, you know, all the top awards? Tell us that first. Give us the stats. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, New Orleans is known for its culinary diversity, and we have right now more than 1,400, close to 1,500 restaurants here in the city. That number is more than doubled over the past decade. Which now, we've eaten at 1,300, but <laughs> we don't leave till tomorrow, so if we could fit the rest in, okay. work on that. <laughs> we'll make it happen. We're also really known for our high caliber of chefs. We have more James Beard chefs per capita here in New Orleans than any other city in the country. You can think about that. So many great chefs have gotten their start here, like Emeril Lagasse, trained here over at Commander's Palace, Chef John Besh. I mean, there's just so many. The list goes on. Now, tell us some of the highlights. You helped us pick out some restaurants where we're here. Tell us some of those restaurants. We'll be having some individual interviews, but why were those picks for you? So we chose some of the greats here in New Orleans. Um, right now, we're sitting at Antoine's, which is the oldest restaurant in the city and also the oldest family-owned restaurant in the country. They really brought Creole cooking here to New Orleans, and that strong French influence that you'll see in a lot of our sauces and a lot of our more like fish-based dishes here in the city. So we did Antoine's. We also also did Tableau, which is a Dickie Brennan restaurant. The Brennans are a famous family of restauranteurs here in New Orleans. There's more than a dozen of their restaurant properties, all very high-end, fine dining, great restaurants to go to. And then a little bit more casual side, Desire Oyster Bar, because you can't come to New Orleans without having a few oysters and slurping them down. I, I did my first. <laughs> not only am I not a New Orleans virgin anymore, I am not an oyster virgin either. So I've gotten some things off my bucket list. <laughs> Well, we're so lucky here in the city because we're surrounded by so much water. We've got the Gulf on one side, Mississippi River, and all these bountiful wetlands with tons of fresh fish, oysters, shrimp, crab coming out of those waters that um, we're really fortunate with the food that we have around us. Excellent. And I just wanted to uh, talk a little bit about, we were just kind of reminiscing about different sort of drinks that were created here and why there's such a, a drink, not just the Bourbon Street partying kind of drinks, but the actual sort of drinks that were developed here in New yeah, well, it's a mixture of a lot of different things. One is probably more of our European culture, our Catholic culture, where drinking was widely accepted. Whenever the rest of the country went into prohibition, we tried to stay away from it as much as we could here in New Orleans. But cocktails originally were served in New Orleans as more of a medicinal type drink. The Sazerac, which is the state drink of Louisiana, because that's what we do here, and our legislators decide there should be a state drink, it was actually invented using Peychaud's bitters. And so people might go in after work and not feeling very very well and ask for a remedy and they will be served bitters with pr probably with an alcohol mixed with it um, so the Sazerac is one of those and what are some of your other favorite choices there's so many. I mean, you could drink your way through the city, but really learning the city's history through the drinks that we have. Another great one is the Vucare, which originated here, and that served at the Hotel Monteleon at their Carousel Bar. There's also the French 75, not necessarily invented here in New Orleans, but very famous and widely served around the city. Some other great drinks we have, like the Hurricane. There's different ways to have a hurricane. You can have it at Pat O'Brien's, which most people will think of, and there's also some more classic tiki-type restaurants that'll serve more fruit-based hurricanes as well. I'm really impressed with New Orleans in general, how much of a melting pot it is for different cultures, and I think that's what makes the food so great. But I've also noticed there's some classic things, and everybody kind of does their own take on that, which, which makes it really fun because you can go from place to place and kind of find similar things, but also find the chef doing his or her own take on, the, on that particular dish. Yeah, for an example, I've had four different in the last week between here and Lafayette and different places. I've had uh, four different crab and corn chowders all completely different, all delicious, but none that are the same. We're really in a lucky position here. I mean, New Orleans is a 300-year-old city. We'll celebrate our 300th birthday next year in 2018. And so because of that, all these cultures coming together and merging their different influences and their flavors together really created an authentic and original cuisine. Some people will say that New Orleans is the first to serve original American cuisine because everything was created right here. And we're lucky that so many of these restaurants have remained throughout the years. So There's still holding up these traditions that we hold so dear, such as the Bananas Foster dish or a Cafe Brulo or some people might call the Devil's Coffee, still being served in restaurants, you know, charboard oysters, things like that. These traditions that my parents or my grandparents grew up having in restaurants, still popular today, but chefs are taking their own new spin on them and making them a little bit more modern and contemporary. Tell us where people can find out more information about visiting New Orleans and uh, where they can do some trip planning. So for information on trip planning and great times to come and more information about the city, they can always visit www.neworleanscvb.com. Perfect. We will put links on our show for today at travelbrigade.com. We will also put things on Twitter and Instagram, and we will be right back. You're going to get a little hungry when you're traveling the globe. 
Whether it be fine dining, a regional specialty, or a small local street cart, you gotta eat. Next up, you gotta eat. Mmm, good. Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry. I am here with Jeff Griffin, and we are here in New Orleans, and one of the focuses, of course, we're doing is the food here, which is absolutely amazing. We've had so many amazing culinary stops. We're yet at another one. We're trying to let you know, the listeners, what some of the places you need to go when you come here. Yeah, we're really lucky. I think we grabbed the last two spots at Brightson's tonight. We're here with Frank Brightson, the chef and owner. Frank, tell us a little bit about how long you've been here and this building, what section of the city are we in? And this building that we're in looks really interesting. Tell me a little bit about that. Brightson's has been here for 31 years. My wife, Mona, and I opened in 86. And we're in the Riverbend neighborhood of Uptown New Orleans. And we're in an old house. Yeah, it's a small Victorian cottage, three small dining rooms. And we do dinner only five nights a week. We just love what we do. We're a family-run operation. We have a lot of employees that have been here for 25-plus years. We just love what we do. Now, you were just talking to me a little bit about something that you do with the CBV, which is sort of like a restaurant week, but it's a restaurant month here in New Orleans. Tell me a little bit about that and what it's called and how you guys participate. Right. This is called culinary, and it happens in the month of August. Summertime is traditionally a slower time in the city, less visitors, and so the Convention and Visitors Bureau came up with a brilliant idea to promote traffic in the restaurants during a normally slow time. So in August, we have the culinary program, and it's free for restaurants to sign up. There's about 80 restaurants in town, and you offer a special menu at a fixed price, $39 max, and it's really developed a lot of momentum over the years. They do a lot of marketing, but people just love it. They get out and become tourists in their own town, really. Yeah, I was saying that I noticed it's hard to even get a table in here tonight. When we walked in, there were several phone calls of, I could tell, very disappointed patrons, and we're here on a weekday night, so tell us a little bit about how soon people book to come and, and what would be the best angle for that. Well, well, I always advise people to make plans as early as you can. I think a week or two weeks during the busy times. We only have 65 seats, so I would try and plan two weeks ahead for prime time. And tell us a little bit about some of the popular menu items that you have that seem to be some of the favorites. Well, we do have a lot of classic signature dishes at Brightson's that have become, you know, guest favorites over the years, including a lot of seafood, of course. We do a broiled fish with a crab crust and a lemon crab sauce. We do a unique version of a popular dish in these parts called the seafood platter, which is typically a fried seafood platter, which is wonderful, but we don't really have a fry station. So our seafood platter is six different things, and none of it's fried. It's grilled, baked, sautéed, broiled, a couple of kinds of baked oyster, shrimp, cornbread, grilled fish. So it's a nice, different kind of perspective on that. But we also do a lot of fabulous meat dishes as well. We're very well known for our roast duck. And I'm a very old school guy when it comes to duck. We do slow roasted whole ducks. Slow roasted for four and a half to five hours. Crispy, boneless, half a duck. We serve it with a Cajun classic called dirty rice, which is made with the giblets, currently with a tart dried cherry sauce made with the pan drippings from the roasting pan. I'm looking at the menu and yeah, I'm seeing all these wonderful seafood options, but also looks like a lot of these things are based on New Orleans traditional Louisiana recipes and you're kind of going off of those? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Here I am with a restaurant in New Orleans, maybe America's greatest food city. Born and raised here. I'm fourth generation New Orleanian. My great-grandfather came from Norway. So I grew up with this tremendous heritage of wonderful food. And I have a tremendous respect for the traditions of Creole and Acadian cooking. You know, New Orleans next year will celebrate its 300th birthday. And in those 300 years, people have come and settled here from all over the world. So we have this true melting pot of cultures and cuisines. It's a rich palette of techniques and, of course, tremendous ingredients here locally. Here, where the Mississippi River meets the salty Gulf of Mexico, we have a year-round diversity of tremendous seafood to play with. So that makes the chef's job a lot more fun. But like any chef, you know, I'm always creating and I'm always working seasonally, of course, with local products. 
products, whatever it might be, everything from peaches to strawberries to fish to greens, whatever it might be. So our menu technically changes daily. We can change with the season, we can change with our whims, but as I said, there's a lot of dishes that have become what I call cravers. People come to Brightson's because they're craving the roast duck or the seafood platter. I noticed you even have some rabbit on the menu. Yeah, we do. We've always served rabbit, and this is domestic rabbit, of course, farm-raised, organic from farmers in Mississippi. And I've been buying from these people for 35 years, going back to my days at Cape Paul's. My mentor, the man who made me what I am, is Chef Paul Prudhomme. He hired me as an apprentice in the late 70s at Commander's Palace, and then moved me to Cape Paul's in the early days, and I became the first chef there. And after seven years with him, he and his wife Kay sat me down and said, Frank, we think you're ready to go out on your own. I said, okay, yes, chef. Uh, get out. <laughs> yeah, right. Here's your last paycheck. You better get open. So they lent us the money and the support to open this restaurant 31 years ago. Excellent story. We're so excited to be here. We'll be putting some information on our website for today's show on our hot sheet, links to the restaurant, to information where you can make reservations and look at the menus. We will be doing that at TravelBrigade.com as well as some photos of our evening at Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Travel Brigade. We will be right back. Questions or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry. I am here with Jeff Griffin. We are here in New Orleans, and we have been eating our way through New Orleans, and I can't tell you, it has not been painful at all. We have had an amazing time. I have to say, this is one of the best, amazing food cities in this whole country. As a matter of fact, some of my top internationally as well. It's a great food city, and we've just been going to so many different places, trying so many different things, and here it is the night before we leave, and we almost saved one of the best for the last. Yeah, we've been really lucky. We've been at Antoine's restaurant in the French quarter tonight. We're here with our waiter Thomas Schwenk who's going to tell us a little bit this is one of those restaurants that it was the first that did this, the first that did that tell us how far back the history here goes and uh, kind of what the significance of that is. Well so Antoine's is one of the first places to really serve food in a restaurant format in New Orleans so in 1840 we started and we operated kind of like a what was called a pension so it was like an extended stay kind of bed and breakfast where people are traveling by boat by the river and you never know when the boat is exactly going to come or leave and so you know frequently these people would be here for a couple weeks and they needed some place to stay and so we'd cook for them the thing with Antoine's is that the family was a French family that the husband in the family had apprenticed in a lot of these major restaurants in France he's from Marseille you know a, a port town in France so he was cooking stuff that was kind of you know a little bit different than just the normal fare that you'd get. And we became so popular serving food like that that after the Civil War, we opened up a dining room here and have been in business ever since for 177 years. This building is amazing. I mean, it's not like your typical restaurant where you have one dining room. It seems like there's multiple upstairs, downstairs, one room decorated one way. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. How many tables do you have in here? You know, the number of tables we have is really hard to keep track of. So there's this kind of whole maze that we do in different times, like a puzzle one most where and at any given time this dining room here will be set up for a night of a la carte service and we'll have a bunch of small tables we can fit probably about 300 people in this room but then like let's say if a wedding is going to take place here because we do do a lot of with 14 dining rooms we do you know a lot of weddings and other big parties and stuff so we'll take every single table out of this room and replace them with all big tables or you know all big round tables or big long tables and so we have storage on the second floor here and on a third floor that are just whole rooms of tables and chairs, and I think anybody would be kind of hard pressed to tell you how. Well, much I think that with we four, have, 14 rooms, 
14 dining yeah. rooms, it kind of gives you an yeah. idea. So the most I think I've, we've ever served since I've, the nine years I've been here is 1,100 people for lunch the day before Mardi Gras. Now, being, usually if you're somewhere for nine years, that makes you kind of one of the senior people on the staff. Here, that makes you one of the yeah, junior the people yeah. on the staff. And, and you actually train with someone who's a third-generation waiter here. There's so much tradition here, not just people that come here for the locals that come here, but on the staff as well. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that is that's kept me here so long and that I've always enjoyed most about working here is the, the staff relationship, the, the relationships that you build within the staff. You know, so this guy who trained me, his name's Charles Carter. And there's, you know, I was trained by a, a lot of these older guys too. You know, you never get trained just by one person here, but that's the guy I've worked with the most. His father worked here, was a busboy for his father a couple of times before he died. And then his Charles's great uncle also worked here too. And Antoine's is always had various kind of like dynasty families. There's a couple right now, you know, that one cooks, one's a bartender, their daughter's a bartender. But the staff bonds go really deep, you know, because we work a lot of times at night and during other special holidays, you know, that you'd normally spend with your family. And so instead of, you know, spending that time with your family here, you kind of make a family. And I think that's true of most any restaurant, but this is just an older place. And so there's a lot of people who have been here for, you know, their whole life. Well, let's get to the good stuff. Let's talk about the menu and some of the things that that you're known for here. We just had an amazing meal. We've had all sorts of things. Soft shell crab. We had Wister's Rockefeller. We've had lots of different things. So tell us a little bit about the menu, kind of what the style of the menu is and maybe some popular things that you have on the menu. Yeah, so Oysters Rockefeller was invented here in 1889 and the recipe has never changed. It's oysters baked on the half shell with a sauce on top that's a puree and different mixed greens and spices. The exact recipe is a secret but there's never been any spinach in it. And it was created for John Rockefeller, who was the richest man in the country at the time. And Jules Alciator, who was Antoine's son, wanted to make a sauce that looked exactly like the color of U.S. money. So it has this kind of faded green color to it. And I know there's a lot of parsley and uh, celery in it. Some people, though, have suspected that maybe there's a little chartreuse or absinthe or even like a little green food coloring, because that was really common in 19th century French fine dining is to add like a little food coloring to different dishes. So one of the rare things about this place is you get to taste food in a style that people have been eating for so long it kind of gives you an idea of what the palate of a 19th century diner was which is unique because you know there's a lot of trends that have come and gone in the history of dining and we've not really latched on to a lot of them sometimes that you know I know our owner says that sometimes he feels like that might have been to our disadvantage at certain periods but I think people notice if you're just kind of doing the same thing to whatever standard that you think is best if it is good, then they'll keep coming, and that's the way we've been able to stay open. One of the other dishes that I think is really interesting on this menu is oysters a la Foch. It's created for Marshal Foch, who was the French general World War One, and he came here at the end of the war to tour the United States because we had just became allies in that war. He came here for lunch. So Jules Alcitore, the same guy that created the oysters Rockefeller, created this dish for him. It's a piece of toast buttered with potato frog and it's layered sort of with oysters, dusted in cornmeal and fried so they're nice and crisp, and then all that's covered with this sherry wine sauce called Colbert sauce. And the sauce is colored with a little caramel food coloring. It's a Hollandaise-based sauce, but it's colored to look like mud. And this dish was served to him in respect of all the French soldiers that had died in World War One. and the dish was supposed to look like the battlefields of France, all dug up in trenches, and just how muddy France was afterwards. Those huge battlefields all dug up and muddy and uneven, and that's what the dish was supposed to represent on the plate. You know, it's interesting because it's like a real morbid kind of thing to serve somebody who's here for like a celebratory lunch. I don't really know exactly how to understand it, but there's a lot of reverence to it. It's a very religious, I guess, but like a very reverential place that the table holds and the dining holds back in those days. We can't go without mentioning the baked Alaska comes football-sized, and then you guys carve it up like a turkey. Tell us how you guys make it here. You People might be used to the lighted on fire with the brandy and everything. You guys do something a little different here. Yeah, so we torch ours in the oven so it's a big mound of ice cream and then pound cake is formed around the ice cream and then there's meringue that is kind of whipped around it into this big shell so when that gets burned in the oven the meringue almost kind of insulates the ice cream and the pound cake does too from melting so the outside gets this nice burnt kind of toast that contrasts with the rest of the meringue inside because it's just the outer layer that gets that nice browning but if the guests 
ask for it, we'll flame it with brandy. But that's kind of not how we've usually served it here. That's something that's it's a really beautiful show and looks really great. And that's kind of what is the standard people assume for baked Alaska. We've never done that here just because when you put the brandy on the baked Alaska, the meringue starts to run and it kind of becomes just like a real sloppy mess, which can be nice too. But that's just not our traditional way of doing it. And one major addition to the menu that I feel like some people have talked about it as if it's kind of a, a scandal for the purist community. We started serving hot fudge sauce with it about 25 years ago. And it's, it's not really it's not a on. scandal for me. Yeah. I, I kind of liked it. I had filet mignon. Jeff had some soft shell crab. I had a potatoes gratin. There's so many delicious things on the menu. Some classic local dishes. So many great things. We're going to be putting links on the show log for today on the hot sheet for today's show that will even have some pictures of that and also links to the menu. Yeah, you can find that at TravelBrigade.com. Also, you can find pictures on Twitter and Instagram at Travel Brigade. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Not sure where to go, what to do, and where to sleep? Up next, hot hotels, unique activities, and top attractions in our destination city. Check it out. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Catherine Curry. I'm here with Jeff Griffin. We have, of course, been eating our way through New Orleans, which has not been a difficult job. The only problem is now that we've eaten all this great food in New Orleans, how do we how do we live without it? That's that's sort of my question. Of course, one of the other things we did there is stop at one of the ever famous places, Cafe Dumont. Yeah, I'm not sure if for people who live, you know, outside of the area outside of Louisiana, maybe the most famous thing you know of there is Cafe Du Monde. It's right off Jackson Square, and they have beignets. And if you don't know what beignets are, it's basically fried dough topped with powdered sugar. How could you go wrong? (laughs) And they have really great coffee that's got chicory in it, so it tastes a little different. You can go by and sit down there and eat and watch everybody going by, by Jackson Square and everything. Or... You can, uh, you know, just get it to go and eat it as you're uh, walking around the French Quarter. Definitely a place that, you know, when you get home, people will ask you, did you go get beignets at Cafe du Monde? So you have to say you did. While you're by Jackson Square, I would recommend stopping in at Tableau. This not only had great food, but it's just right off there. It's this beautiful restored building that's very open and airy. And I just loved, the food was great, don't get me wrong, but I, I just loved the atmosphere. And I wanted to wanted to mention that I think out of all the stops we made, I probably had corn and crab chowder at least four or five times, and all of them were so amazing and good. And what was really interesting about the one at Tableau that was quite different is they actually, instead of having chunks of corn, they actually took the corn and they blended it so that the corn was actually the base of the soup, so it tasted really different. So they actually took a couple of fun things and kind of made a little twist to it. I also had the barbecue shrimp and grits there, which was absolutely amazing. And I tried some turtle soup, which was a first for me. And uh, loved it. Speaking of first, I went to my first cooking class while we were in New Orleans. Quite often when we travel, when we're in France and different places, you love to go to cooking classes. I've never gone to one before. Went to one, had a great time, learned how to make shrimp and grits, learned how to make gumbo, and learned how to make bananas foster without actually uh, burning myself. <laughs> and what's so great about this is, I mean, we had a fun, it was a fun I had two or three hours and fun to do together. This was at the New Orleans School of Cooking, which is right there in the heart of the French Quarter. You go in, they take care of everything. You get to work with a chef who we've got an interview coming up with him. You get to work with him and a few other people and you get to cook all these things. What you can also do while you're there is they've got a bunch of the different things that you would cook with that you can buy and you can take them home. And I'm so excited that when we get home, we're going to do like a gumbo party for our friends and, and I'm actually going to try to make roux. Yeah, it was really fun. It's it's sort of a three-hour experience. And just to let you know, there are several different options that you can do. You can just come to the store and check it out and buy some of those things. By the way, a little tip... They have some of the best prawlings. I call them pralings, but apparently there it's prawlings that they have in New Orleans. They have them there. They're not only some of the best, they're making them fresh and they're half the price as anyone else. I just wanted to throw that. You can get a couple of boxes of the chocolate and they're regular to go. But they also have classes. Jeff and I did the hands-on class, which was super fun. About three hours it includes a Bloody Mary bar and some different drinks while you're there. So you kind of cook an entree, sit down, eat it. And we got to meet about eight other people there, which was really fun. But we noticed there was an 
another class going on next door that was more of a demonstration. If you don't want to actually do it, you just want to see how to do it and kind of do some tasting. So they have a lot of different options there. And they've got classes, I think, almost every day. And so that's that's really fun too. So we'll obviously be putting that link on our hot sheet for today's show. New Orleans School of Cooking, we'll be putting that on our hot sheet for today's show. And um, after that, we will have, again, with the interviews we have coming up next, we'll have information more on TravelBrigade.com as well as our Twitter and Instagram at Travel Brigade. We'll be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry. I'm here in New Orleans, here with uh, Jeff Griffin, and we, you know, this whole foodie episode has been extremely tough to record. We have been having some amazing food. As a matter of fact, just added something new to the list, some turtle soup, so we're going to be talking about all of that today. Yeah, one of the things that's fun is when you come here, you try foods you've never tried before. I'm having turtle soup for the first time, and it's great. We're at Tableau, which is literally just steps off Jackson Square. I couldn't be any more conveniently located. We're lucky to talk with Chris Steve. He's the general manager here. Chris, first of all, tell us a little bit about this location and the building that we're in, because it couldn't be any more convenient. Well, as far as location, you're right. I think we're just steps away from Jackson Square, which is definitely a tourist destination to come check out, because it's got St. Louis Cathedral as sort of the centerpiece. It is one of the nation's oldest cathedrals. It's just really beautiful if you get in the ability to get in there and check it out. This building that we're in has a lot of history involved in it. It's been many things. It was a Union barracks at one point in time. It was the last residence of the last Spanish governor of Louisiana. The reason that we're here now is because we're connected to the Le Petit Theater, which is the oldest community theater in the United States. They built it in 1912 as sort of an addition to some of the other portions of this building. Now, in the late 60s, I believe, is when they sort of sealed it all up and made it one big building, which was operated by the theater. So the dining room that we're sitting in right now was actually the children's theater, so it was a smaller portion of what it, what we have next door. So our kitchen is literally where the stage was when we bought the building. And so it's, it's amazing what they've transformed this space into, sort of in conjunction with what's going on still at the theater next door. It's still operational. You know, sort of the catalyst of what was going on is that the theater needed a little bit of love put into it. Financially, I think they were struggling a little bit. Sort of productions had come to a halt. It needed a little bit of TLC over there. So Dickie, our owner, Dickie Brennan, who had seen since he was a kid shows next door, didn't want to see it go down and become a relic. He wanted to revitalize it a little bit. So he worked with those guys next door and they came to an agreement that the space that we're in now, which is the old children's theater, we would turn this into a dining room that you would see here and make a three-story restaurant on this side of the building. And then we would also put that love and care into the theater next door. And so they agreed, we agreed. So now you kind of see what we have today. So that theater is about a 300-seater next door. That does show periodically. They bring in talent from all over the country to do performances. And we have the ability in such a cool space to offer a fine dining experience in the center of the French Quarter. Speaking of which, we're here uh, during lunch, during the Hustle and Bustle. It's quite a popular place. As Jeff mentioned, he's having some turtle soup. I'm here having corn and crab bisque, which is just absolutely delicious. Tell us about some of the popular items on the menu, maybe what you guys are known for. I guess I would start off the beauty of this restaurant is that we're four years old now. So we're trying to develop some of those classics that people will come to see that are our own. You know, I think that you have some of the restaurants not very far from here that have been open for some over 100 years, so they've had those staples for a long time. We have the ability to sort of start from scratch and, and make some of those things, so some of the items that we've uh, sort of hung our hat on recently, our Redfish Bienville is sort of our homage to a Bienville, which is sort of a dressing that you would put on pieces of fish or on oysters, you'll find it. It's really good. It's made with seafood and pork, two of our favorite things down here, so oysters, shrimp, crab meat, bacon, ham. It's got all of these things and it's built into sort of a stuffing and we put that over a piece of drum or a piece of redfish that we have here. We serve it with a blue crab butter sauce. Fairly certain you could put that stuff on anything and it would be delicious. Our chicken tableau, which is a dish that's unique to us, I think that personally as a restaurateur I would tell people, you know, maybe the chicken dish isn't necessarily the most exciting thing elsewhere. Not so true here. We're doing chicken here where we're sous vide in a chicken breast and then we're frying a thigh. So you get two iterations of chicken on a plate over 
a really nice potato dish that we do, potatoes tableau, which has chassis, which is a local ham in there, peas, onions, garlic. It's a hearty dish, but it's really good. It's unique to, you're not going to find anything really like that around here. Some of the other dishes that we do are sort of quintessential New Orleans staples. Our seafood gumbo is a nice, dark, rich gumbo, which you can see what's going on in there. There's crab meat in there. There's oysters in there. There are nice big shrimp in there. You know, a turtle soup that you're having today is something that we're quite happy with. It's a classic New Orleans dish that sort of has our spin on it. People ask the question all the time, is this real turtle in here? It's real turtle in there. So that's an indigenous turtle to Louisiana. It's an alligator snapping turtle. Mean little guys, but they taste delicious when you put them in a soup with a bunch of other stuff. So, you know, it's exciting. We're starting to write our story. We're part of the Brennan's family, which is a legacy that goes back quite a few years now. I mean, the mid-1900s is when the family moved over. They were Irish immigrants, and they opened up a bar and restaurant over on Bourbon Street called the Old Absinthe House, which is still there. If you go down the street, you can check it out. But then after that, they got into the restaurant business and opened up Brennan's, which is another restaurant that is still down the street. These are iconic restaurants. So being part of that family, we can draw from some of the things that they've done, both culinary-wise. We have the same service standards that they've had for years in places like Commander's Palace. We're the little kid of the family, but we're growing very quickly, and it's time to make our own name for ourselves here at Tableau. I also notice you've got a full bar here. What are some of the things you're known for here in terms of your bar, your drinks? We have a lovely bar here. It's sort of in the middle of two dining rooms, so you get a cool experience of being able to, when we have the doors open, you can look outside onto Jackson Square and sort of see the hustle and bustle of what's going on out there. We, we do a lot of craft cocktails. We really challenge our bartending staff and our servers to periodically come up to us and give us their drink recipes, things that they've liked, things that they've seen elsewhere, and sort of make it our own. Most of the time, our cocktails that are on our list are reflective of things that we've created in-house. Granted, we have to have the classics. You can get your Ramos gin fizzes here. You can get your French 75s, your Sazeracs here. But, you know, we like to have something that you're not going to necessarily get elsewhere. We got, some, we got some really cool seasonal cocktails. We're doing a Caprina right now, which is doing local watermelon and some mangoes in it. We change the fruit seasonally in there. It's a delicious dish. We also do a bourbon drink called the Just As Well. We use uh, a Buffalo Trace bourbon in there. Can I just tell you, we've been to Buffalo Trace. Amazing stuff. <laughs> yeah. Our sister restaurant, Bourbon House, down the street, if you're anywhere near here and you're a bourbon fan, got to go stick your head in there. Everything you haven't heard of, they have it there. So we have a great relationship with Buffalo Trace. We want to make sure that we showcase their things on our menus. This has got a rosemary syrup in it. It's a very floral, aromatic drink that I think is very unique to the tableau. It's sort of been on our list since we've started here. And if we take it off, I think some of our regulars would be real upset with me. So we're not going to pull a trigger on something like that. And we also offer something that you don't see a lot of places. We have a draft wine system. So we're buying wine in keg form from places that we've sampled out in California. I mean, they send it to us so you're able to have a, a nice glass of wine pulled from a tap, which is something you see out west. You just don't see it a whole lot around here. And then we just rolled out the Coravin wine system, which is a really neat process. It's a machine that you can actually put on a bottle of wine that punctures the cork, and you can pour wine out of that bottle, but then it replaces the space in there with argon gas. And so what that allows you to do is you can take a very nice bottle of wine that you would never pour by the glass, and you can pour it by the glass now because it'll still hold the freshness of that bottle. It's not like if you're at home and you pull a cork, you get four or five days out of it. This will hold for months. You know, if you wanted to come in and try that really high-end nice glass of wine without buying the whole bottle, we have the ability to do that now. So really excited about that. Excellent. We will be posting information on our hot sheet for today's show. We will be doing that at TravelBrigade.com. We'll also be putting some pictures on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can check all that out at Travel Brigade, and we will be right back. Questions or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We are here in New Orleans. We've been eating this whole episode all about food and drink. And what a way to finish off this whole entire event was to learn how to make some of this delicious food ourselves. We're here at the New Orleans School of Cooking, and we're here with Chef Mark Springfloat. A lot of people call him Chef. I call him a miracle worker because I actually made some gumbo today that I thought was really, really good. Um, I was going to 
going to say, Chef, do you know this man does not cook? He was like, oh, we're, we're both going to that class? And I said, I know when he started, he was probably at a two or three of excitement, and I know he's a 10-plus, like he can't believe he just did all this. Yeah, how, how often do you get people in here who say, oh, I, I don't think I can do this, and they, and they walk out feeling like me, feeling like they're an expert? It's a fair percentage of the time. It's not at all uncommon to have a couple come in here where one person does all the cooking, the other person does all the drinking. <laughs> Excellent. But by the end of it, we, we try and get everybody hands-on and involved if it's even stirring a pot, peeling some shrimp, or doing the minimum just to see how easily it can be produced and to demystify a lot of our food down here. I'm not going to lie. I thought I thought he looked kind of sexy cooking. I was like, hey, this is something new. Let's talk about some of the things that we made today. The class is about three hours long, and we were able to get through some pretty amazing dishes today. Okay, so today is uh, uh, one of our probably our most popular uh, menu class. We, had, uh, we started out with a traditional Louisiana gumbo, chicken andouille. The whole purpose behind this is just to get people comfortable with making a roux seeing how gumbo goes together and seeing that they can do this at home. Uh, after that, we went into a shrimp and grits, which is very popular. Uh, fresh Louisiana uh, golf shrimp paired with uh, stone ground South Carolina grits with a very rich, buttery, peppery sauce, kind of a New Orleans-style barbecue, as we call it. Uh, finally wrapped it up with some uh, crepes and bananas foster, a classic traditional New Orleans dessert ever since the 50s, now served all around the world. Now, what's going to be really interesting is when we run this show, I'm also going to be posting Jeff making the Bananas Foster flambe, checking it out. Now, tell us a little bit about some of the other popular things you do here at the school. Uh, we kind of run the gambit with our traditional New Orleans foods, such as uh, your, your your shrimp and chicken creoles, uh, etouffees, crawfish, chicken. Uh, we also do a good corn and crab bisque. Uh, bread pudding, jambalaya. Uh, we also go a little more out on some of the hands-on classes, including uh, an alligator sauce piquant, meat pies, which is a savory meat pie, not exactly Mrs. Lovett's meat pies, but, you know, we will do them with uh, ground beef and or crawfish. Uh, we do a crab rabagot, a seared gulf fish with a miniere sauce, uh, corn mock choux, fried green tomatoes, fried pickles, we also do a brunch class on Sunday mornings with uh, uh, griots, grits, griots and grits with uh, poached eggs. That sounds great. We might have to stay and, uh, and hang out here. If people want to re- find out about taking a class, reserving a spot in a class, uh, what website should they go to? NewOrleansSchoolOfCooking.com, or you can look us up online, call direct, talk to the front desk. We also do corporate team buildings, uh, private events for um, upwards of over 100 people. Um, We do private cooking classes, hands-on, of up to 10 people. We do group hands-on for larger groups. Uh, For that, you would want to contact our sales department. Perfect. We will put that link on our hot sheet for today's show. You can find that at TravelBrigade.com. We can also find some stuff on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We'll be right back. You're going to get a little hungry when you're traveling the globe. Whether it be fine dining, a regional specialty, or a small local street cart, you gotta eat. Next up, you gotta eat. Mmm, good. Welcome back to Travel Radio, your weekly travel and destination show. We are here at Desire, and I have tried my very first, not just oysters, but charbroiled oysters. They were delicious. And we are here having not only our Cajun Marys and our Hurricanes, but some amazing, amazing food. And this is only our first night here in town. Yeah, we're here at Desire Oyster Bar. It's in the Royal Sinesta Hotel. It's right on Bourbon Street. And my only problem with this place is I can't pick my favorite. We're consulting Frankie Jean, who is one of the expert oyster cooks here. What is something people have to have when they come here? you got to start with the charred oysters. You have to start with the charred grilled oysters. I would, and most definitely get at least a half a dozen of cold oysters from the oyster bar here. What are some of your other favorites on the menu? Crawfish etouffee. I like the red beans and rice, the gumbo. Shrimp Alfredo, one of my favorites as well. And I also like the crab cakes. I noticed you shucking the oysters. What's the key to shucking oysters? It looks to me like I'd be going to the emergency room on a daily basis if I tried to do that. What's the key? The key 
he's opening up in the oyster is getting into the eye. Put the knife into the eye to pry it open. That's the key to it. When you use the table for a little leverage, so you won't open up your wrist in any way. How many pounds of oysters do you go through in a day? On a busy night, we can go to at least anywhere 12 to 15 sacks. That's just from five to closing. But we do quite a few sacks of oysters per day. And when you do the charred oysters, how long do you put them on there for? Some cases, depending upon the shell itself, but in most cases, three to five minutes would be more than enough time for oysters to cook. And what do you put on them? Whatever you put on them, it was great. What was it? It's liquid butter, along with Ramada cheese, Parmesan cheese, parsley, and a whole lot of love. I could taste the love, man. It was good. <laughs> we will post a link to Desire Oyster Bar. We'll have some pictures there, too, of some of this fabulous food, a lot of different things you can try here, all the classic New Orleans foods. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Stay tuned. And of course, you can check us at Twitter, Facebook, and lots of other social media at Travel Brigade. We'll be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Read, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry. We are sitting at the beautiful bar here at Desire Oyster Bar. And I wanted to make sure that we talked to the bartender before we had a few more drinks because I've already had a hurricane and a Sazerac today, you know, trying all these nice New Orleans drinks. And we're going to talk a little bit about the New Orleans drinks here and why they're kind of unique and special and what some of those drinks are and how you make them. We're here talking with the bartender, Marcus Davis, and he knows all about these kind of drinks. First of all, what's the most popular drink here on your menu? The most popular drink on the menu would have to be the traditional hurricane, by far. And then I would say the Sazerac, because that's just one of those old-style drinks that people just come to die to try. It's, it's unique in its own special way. Now, you guys, everybody serves a hurricane, but you guys found the original recipe. We actually did. So, we went back before Pat O'Brien's recipe. So, we went back a little bit, did a little research, and we found out a recipe where they use passion fruit. So, we wind up making a same drink, same rum, just no grenadine, a passion fruit mix, and a few dashes of bitters, and it changes the whole drink. You tell me, did it? Yeah, no, it's absolutely delicious, and I could definitely tell, I mean, I've had a hurricane before, I think maybe in Miami or something, but it definitely has a unique flavor to it. Tell us, are a lot of the traditional drinks here, are they generally rum-based, or does it kind of branch out from there? It, it branches out. Your hurricane is made with two to three different rums, your Sazerac is made with a rye whiskey, and your brandy milk punch and and it's made with brandy. Sometimes people use bourbon. It's a guest figure, however they want to acquire their taste of spirits. A French 75 actually is a drink that's made with gin, but then some people prefer to use cognac, and they do have a recipe that goes back with cognac. And if everybody knew about French 75, French 75 is actually a war gun. It's a war gun that was used. Yeah, I was just talking to you about the, the Southern Milk Punch. I've never even heard of that. Tell us a little bit about what that is and what's in that as well. So the Southern Milk Punch, I like to call it an adult eggnog beverage because it tastes just like eggnog. It's a nice dessert. goes really good with a New Orleans bread pudding, but it's actually brandy, heavy cream, a little simple syrup, and we use nutmeg and a little vanilla extract that goes in there, and that just makes the drink so sweet and delicious. It's a perfect aperitif drink right after dinner. I found that wherever we've traveled, the drinks there sort of take on the persona of that particular area. If you go to California, there's a lot of wine. People are laid back. If you go to New York, there's these hard cocktails because people are hard charging. How do you think these cocktails here sort of characterize the vibe of New Orleans? So in New Orleans, we, we have a lot of variations of different spirit drinks. Like, we just don't have where we stick to one, like you said, a California with the wine. This city is known for drinking. I mean, we just do all types of spirits all around. But the unique thing is that the Sazerac High comes from the Roosevelt Hotel and is made off of the rye base of the spirit. It carries a long way for us the French 75. The French 75 is a gin base. So we just got different variations to different style. Like this is a French kind. It got a lot of French up in here. You have Spanish culture. So it blends in and we just make the beverages off the culture. And then tell me, you have instead of a Bloody Mary, a Cajun Mary. Tell us the difference. Bloody Mary, typically just your regular vodka, right? Vodka, your Bloody Mary mix, Little Worcestershire. We use a Cajun Mary. Cajun Mary is where we 
use a pepper vodka. We use a little horseradish inside ours to give it an extra kick. And that kick turns it into a style Cajun Mary. We garnish it with spice beans, olives, and onions. I had that one and it was definitely delicious. And explain the Ramos Gin Fizz. That's one we've seen a lot here. Ramos Gin Fizz. Very popular drink. It's similar to a Bloody Mary because it's actually that after night drink, that early morning drink. It's another hangover cure drink. Like a lot of people come in from hangover and they want a Bloody Mary. A Ramos is another hangover cure drink because it has the egg white and the heavy cream and a little orange flower water, a little simple syrup, and a dash of citrus. A lot of people like it for the hangover. I like it for after dinner, but it works both ways. Well, thank you very much. We're going to post links on our hot sheet for today's show to Desire Oyster Bar. You can check that out at TravelBrigade.com. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Travel Brigade. We'll be right back. They don't always agree, but they always seem to have their reasons. Next up, Travel Brigade's countdown of their favorites from this week's show on He Said, She Said. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry. I am here with Jeff Griffin. Of course, this whole show all about New Orleans, all about eating in New Orleans. I have had an amazing time and gosh, I almost wish we could just hit all those restaurants right again right now. You wouldn't have to twist my arm very hard. Unfortunately, we've come to that time in the show where we have to pick our three favorites. He said, she said. As always, she said goes first. I'm going to start with the cooking school. I thought it was really fun, and I actually thought it was really fun going with you. It just seemed fun. I never have learned how to cook any of those items. I never learned how to cook Bananas Foster or gumbo, and it was just really, really fun, and I, I just had a great time for those those hours that we were there. Yeah, and I can't wait to cook when we get home. I'm going to go with my number three with the Ramos Gin Fizz. First of all, when we first got here, being out from the West, I went with the Spanish pronunciation, Ramos, <laughs> and uh, and that is Ramos. Anyway, it, it's a really fun drink. It's fun to see them make it because they shake it for a long time. I had a great one at Bourbon O's, and then you just heard about the Oyster Bar. They made a great one there, too. Speaking of the Oyster Bar, that is my number two, I think, because it was just such a quintessential New Orleans experience with not only the food, but the atmosphere, the people who work there. It was just a fun way to be welcomed into the city and to try all these new things and meet all these fun new people. So it was kind of a both uh, people and food experience. My number two was Tableau. And I loved the food there, but I particularly loved just being able to hang out there. I'd love to just go back and just hang out for an afternoon, have a drink, have some turtle soup, try a few different appetizers. It was right off Jackson Square in this beautiful old building and just a great atmosphere. And I I just loved hanging out there. I'm going to go with Anton's as my favorite. And the reason why is it kind of reminds me of sort of these... New York Italian restaurants, even though it's not Italian, but in the sense that it's like old school or an old steakhouse where like the recipes don't change. They don't change the recipes. They keep things as, you know, as people like them as they were traditional. And there's just something about that going to a place that's nouveau is really fun, but there's something about going to a classic place that everyone knows what to expect. The stories there were were amazing. The different rooms that were there, how they tied into Mardi Gras was really interesting as the menu hadn't changed in, in many, many years. And so that was kind of fun. I kind of like that old school feel uh, to those things. So that's my top. My number one was dinner at Brightson's, just this cute little place in a house, basically getting to meet Frank Brightson and hear some of his stories about uh, New Orleans over the years. And some of the people he's known was great. Some great uh, appetizers, great entrees, but what will probably continue to haunt me for years and will probably draw me back to New Orleans at some point was the pecan pie. Pecan. The pecan pie. I love saying it like that. Anyway, this is this week's episode. Of course, amazing. We're going to put all these links on our hot sheet for today's show. You can check that out at TravelBrigade.com. You can also check it out at Twitter and Instagram at TravelBrigade. Once again, it's come time for us to leave this place, but we'll be back with another place next week. In the meantime, please remember... There are two stages in life. You're either on a trip or you're planning your next trip. Whatever stage you're in, please join us next time.
See you next week and enjoy the trip. You have been listening to Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin on Travel Brigade. Connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, and at travelbrigade.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.